0: Thanks, Michael. Why don't we pray together? Our Lord God, this morning as um, we sit here, as we think about our lives and uh, where we have been and what's been going on and um, the things of the world that kind of have been around us, we ask that you would speak clearly through all that. Show us how to make sense of the world we live in, how to make sense of what we're here for and, and how we are to grow. And out of today, we ask that through your word and by your spirit, we might have a deep desire to be more like Jesus. Amen. Have you ever met someone who just oozes wisdom? who kind of just has so much uh, about them that you're like, I want to be around that guy. I want to hear what that, that, that woman has to say. I want, I want to be amongst them. For me growing up, uh, Ron Wilson was his name. He was an older minister, he felt like he was about 150, and I was kind of 15, or um, I really was 15, I'm 33 now in case you're wondering, well he still looks 15. Um, so, but, but Ron was this guy who our, our kind of group of uh, friends would kind of hang around and have Bible study at his house, in fact my parents bought his house, um, but um, they would hang around and just hear him speak about the Bible or about life, it's like every word he said was gold. The guy just oozed, kind of, I want to be around him. He's like a walking almanac. I think he had the internet downloaded in his head before it existed. It was just, the guy was great. Have you ever met someone like that? Someone who not only knows about God, but they know him. They live their lives in a way that models who Jesus is and what he's done. They're the type of person that stirs in me a thirst to have what they have To know God the way they know him. To speak with the the confidence they speak with. To be grounded in the word the way they are grounded. You ever met someone like that? You want to be someone like that? My hunch is that for all of us who trust in Jesus, and maybe for some of you who, who don't, to know God would be something that you deeply desire. But so often we're not convinced we're not that way we feel kind of like all over the place as the latest discovery of jesus bones or jesus wife and two kids pops on the front page of the paper we're like what is this you know did did jesus marry mary magdalene as a a side note um that's not new that kind of thing that came up in the paper this week it's been known in all the scholarship for many many years if you read it it's got nothing to do with jesus it's it's set in egypt it's just kind of crazy jump online have a read of it it's kind of right out there the guy has put a whole heap of documentaries out that um one was on the discovery on discovery channel but just not academically credible <laughs> but those things come along and we go oh do i know how do I? I want to be grounded i want to be firm i want to not be tossed backwards and forwards My question today is, as a church, as we think through what is our purpose, what are we here for, what does God want us to be doing, what's God's heart for us, how do we grow more and more like Jesus? How do we make sure we're grounded, not just captivated by Christ, but grounded in the gospel so that we would grow in our maturity, to keep being more and more like him? Well, the first thing to think through really is the importance of growth, the importance of growth to Christians. It's one of the key purposes of God to us. Like any good dad, he wants his children to grow up. It just wouldn't be appropriate if Nathaniel kept acting the way he acts now, which is appropriate for his age, but as a 20-year-old or a 40-year-old. like It's not, you know, he's seven, but it would just be inappropriate for him to stay the way he is. I love him where he is, I love the way he is, but I want him to grow up. Any father wants their children to mature. And so Paul says in Colossians 1 on the screen... He says, we proclaim him, Jesus Christ, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. This is Paul's desire for those that he's teaching and leading is that they might grow. They might be more and more like Jesus, mature, presented on that last day in Christ Paul's purpose in all he did with all God's energy, which worked so powerfully within him, was to see those who put their life in Jesus' hands mature. So it is with our Christian maturity. We, we want to be more and more mature. The importance of growth is huge all throughout the New Testament. The craziness of saying, staying a, a spiritual seven-year-old would be not helpful would be awful because the stakes are so high have a look what um what paul says in ephesians 4 verse 11 and he personally gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of christ till we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of god's son growing into a mature man with stature measured by christ's fullness His aim in what he does, what God is doing by giving gifts of people to the church is is to grow us. That's why Jesus gave us each other. That's what we are here for, to mature and grow one another into a mature man. Now, I know for the women amongst us, like, I want to be a mature woman. That's exactly what he means. Uh, just one of the ways that the Bible speaks, they talking about manhood, humanity. Um, if men have got to be called the bride of Christ, I think you can stomach this and be like, okay, I want to grow into a mature man in this firm. And, you know, it goes both ways. So, but in verse 14, he says, then we'll no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the deceit In the techniques of deceit. He wants you and me to stand firm. To be like our dad and his son Jesus. Who is the image of the very God. It's the key thing that he's on about. And he wants us to be that way so that we can stand trusting in Jesus. With our life in Jesus. It got me thinking if you were to compare all the forces of nature all the forces that are out there, the two that would come out, I think, right up near the top would have to be water and wind. I'm always amazed at the effects of, of wind. Uh, yesterday, having those gale force winds, uh, I heard that there was wind so strong somewhere recently that they pushed an A380 sideways. Oh, that's a heavy plane. <laughs> uh, and water, it's just so powerful and so strong. And when those two elements combined, catastrophes usually result. Um, I've got a quick video, we'll play it for a bit, that looks at the effects of 50-foot waves and gale force winds. Have a look at this. Apparently, there's about a 1,000 people on that ocean liner. I don't know how well they are. Yeah, that's a bit that scares me. That's taken from a helicopter. Um, that's 25,000 tons of steel being kicked around in the ocean like it's a soccer ball. Like It's just a little thing blobbing there. It's a pretty scary image, isn't it? That's the image Paul uses to explain what the immature Christian life is like tossed backwards and forwards by every wave of teaching, by the winds thrown around, buffeted around the life isn't sturdy, it's just bobbing like a soccer ball in the ocean like an ocean liner being kicked around and all too often our lives can feel that way, our relationship with God can feel that way have you been there? Are you there now? Maturity says Paul in Ephesians is knowing what's true knowing God, and sticking to Him no matter how rough the weather gets. That's what maturity is, and He's kind of pushing the Christians both here and in Colossians. He's like, don't settle for some half-hearted view of Christianity. Don't think once I've come to Jesus and I've embraced the truth about who He is that that's enough. That I'm kind of I can just sit back, cross my legs. I've gone from hell to heaven. I'm in. Now I'll just drift around in the ocean, letting it push me wherever I want. No. He's saved us and united us to Christ so we might become more and more mature. Don't stay a seven-year-old, grow. Stand firm in knowing who he is and what he's done. That's the Apostle Paul's deep concern for those he's writing to. That's his concern for us. We not only come to know Jesus, but you'd mature in him. That you'd grow to be all that God intends you to be. You'd deepen And I think this is something we as Christians ought to be restless for. We ought to have a kind of discontent with where we're at in our Christian faith. I don't think until Jesus returns, we can kind of stand and go, yep, I'm arrived. I'm fully mature. Look at me. (laughs) I can't. It's something that we should be. I always want to keep growing in. This, This place should be full of contented, discontent people. I'm content to go, oh, I, I want to keep being discontent. I want to keep growing in my maturity and my love. We ought to be people that keep living with that sense of disc- discontent about where we are, where we want to be, and asking God to grow us, asking Him to make us more and more like His Son. Because if we don't grow, we won't last. If we don't mature, we miss out on all that god has to offer knowing him in his fullness more and more each day we're not missing out just on some facts and figures about the bible or be able to quote how many verses there are or, you know know some great theological words we're missing out on god on knowing the creator of the universe more deeply and more truly and having him change us day by day out of love to make us more like his son At Auckland EV, we want as many people as possible to come to know Jesus. We're here to see Auckland come to be captivated by Christ, grounded in that news about who Jesus is and growing in maturity and number. We want to see as many as possible come. But we also want to see everyone growing as deep as possible in their love and knowledge of God. Day by day, growing deeper and deeper, understanding more and more who God is, knowing him. It's this continual process that doesn't end until the day we die or Jesus returns. Now, that means that our best days as Christians should always be before us. Our best days as Christians should always be before us. Some of us here attempted to believe that our most vivid times of growth When we were made the most like Jesus when we were on fire, for Him was in the past when we were back then, and they're behind us, and they've already happened. But that can't be right. In fact, it's wrong. You might have been on fire those first few years, few years you became a Christian. All those years you loved your, your youth group or your church that you're a part of. And you're like, oh, this is such a good time. I was growing so much. Or it might even be now. You're in this time now where you're beaming. You're excited. And you're like, just give me more. I want to soak it up like a sponge. But any part of you that thinks you've already peaked, that you won't keep growing in your maturity, that you can't expect to grow like that again, is wrong. It's just not biblical. Every day should be a day that we're growing more and more mature in Christ. Our best days as Christians are in front of us. Whether you're 6, 16, 36, 66, 96, 160. <laughs> However old you are, you're going to be more and more made like Jesus every day. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13. As we look forward to what we'll be like, he says, we all with faces, with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, the role of God, the Spirit, in the person who trusts Jesus. We have God in us, who's molding us and shaping us day by day from one degree of glory to another, says the ESV. It's taking us just one degree at a a time, one click. Sure, there's been times in our life where we might have gone a couple more clicks at once. But the role of the Spirit, if you trust in Jesus, is He's molding you and shaping you. God wants you to be more like Jesus. So don't quench the Spirit. Don't go, oh, I'm just happy where I am. I'm happy being seven or 17. Grow. The show is not over. And as we look forward to what he's promised, we can have great confidence that no matter what happens, God is actually working to make us more like Jesus. Don't know if you ever thought that before, but God uses everything we have, everything that is to make us more like him. Have a look at Romans eight twenty eight. It's one of these verses that you know, lots of Christians love. It's like you call them the rabbit foot you know verse you know people get rabbit feet they think they're lucky or i don't know hang them off the dashboard or the nodding jesus i don't know whatever it is people kind of think oh this is the great verse that i'll tattoo on my arm or i'll you know i'll put uh, up on the wall or i'll turn into a sky riding in the sky this is kind of this is so good right but it actually is true and listen to what it says we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him Who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. It's great, isn't it? God works all things for the good of those who love him. If you're someone who is saying, Yes, I trust in Jesus, God is working for your good. But the thing to remember is it might not seem like your view of good at the time. Like any father who knows what's best, any good father who knows what's best for their children, God sometimes doesn't give us what we want, but enables us to grow his way, to mature, to go through hardships. But what this is saying is that every single thing that happens in this universe around you to you is God conforming you to the likeness of his son. That's what he wants to do. That's what he promises to do. See, maturity isn't just merely doing right things. I know the right way to act or knowing right things. It's being made like Jesus. The reason we can have confidence is that it's God who's doing it. Every moment, every situation, whether it's full of pain or pleasure. He wants to use it to make you more like his son. son. Some people kind of treat life circumstances like a code you've got to break. Oh, what's God want me to do here? You know, this happened, this door opened. Oh, is this God telling me that I should go this way? Or is that happening that way? And we kind of, we think the circumstances of life, the ebbs and flows of what goes on is God speaking to us somehow. And there's a code. We've got to try and work out what he's saying. <laughs> People say, I wish God would speak more. I wish I'd know what he want me to do. Here's the thing. This verse actually says that no matter what happened, God is doing it to you. He's molding you and shaping you according to his will and to the likeness of his son. No matter how hard it is, no matter what's going on, what does he want me to do? Grow more like Jesus. How do I do this in this situation? Keep trusting him and go, Lord, help me to be more like your son. Every single thing that happens in your life and in mine has one thumping message. I want you to be more like Jesus. Jesus. What do I do with my life? In this situation, I want you to be more like Jesus. When the door is shut and I don't know what to do, keep trusting me. I'm not promised that that necessarily will happen, but I have promised I'll make you more like Jesus. So pray, mature me, Lord. Help me to trust you. Help me to see who you are. Make me more like your son through this. I don't know what way necessarily I need to go, but I do know (laughs) I need to be more like Jesus. So whether your husband is loving or not, whether your wife is respectful or not, whether your friend is kind or unkind, it doesn't matter if what happened was good or bad. God is saying he'll use all of it through the work of his spirit, together with the word and through the encouragement of of the church to make you more like Jesus, if that's what you want. We can have great confidence that God is working all things for your good, for your maturity. If you let him, if you actually let him mould you and shape you and you keep trusting in Jesus. Malcolm Mudbridge, um, I think that's how you pronounce his name, was an agnostic guy for most of his life, a quite popular media guy throughout the um, 20th century. Uh, and he he, he became... Um, was an agnostic throughout that time, but became a Christian towards the end of his life. Um, And this is what he said about his life and about how he grew as a Christian, how he just grew generally. He said, contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful. I look back at them with particular satisfaction. Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I've learned in my 75 years in this world, everything... That has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction and not through happiness. I think about my life and the times I've grown. They haven't necessarily been when everything's been sweet. When everything's great and just rolling along, I kind of forget God. I think, I'm, I can do this on my own. It's times when you can't and you need Him and you realize. He's growing you. I don't know where each of you are right now. You might be in the middle of stuff that's awful and horrible. Trust God. Because in some ways, He's, he's growing you right now. If it's hard, that's good in some ways. He's making you more like His Son. Jesus didn't have a cruisy pathway. He had a hard pathway. A life of sacrifice, of laying down Himself for us. Following Jesus isn't going to be any easier. The Christian life is not about killing time till Jesus returns. It's not about hanging around, going, you know, it's waiting, you know. Yep, he'll come soon, gone fishing. It's looking forward with great confidence and commitment to say, I want to grow, no matter how old I am, no matter how long I've been in him. We don't know what suffering and hardship is around the corner. When you walk out those doors today, you don't know. There's no light saying, watch out. It's going to happen tomorrow. But we do know God will use it to make you more like Jesus if you just let him. But how do we do that? How do I become more and more like Jesus? all very well to say, yeah, be more like Jesus. how, How? Well, Paul says... That one of the gifts we have that we just looked at a second ago was was one another the gifts we have to make us mature was the church was this body you know he said in in um four verse 11 it's on the screen but i'll just summarize he'd given people who are prophets and apostles who'd written down god's word for us he'd, he'd given us evangelists to, to take out this word and to tell people the news that's what evangelists the evangel just means gospel or news they're like news spreaders Um, to spread the kind of great news of who Jesus is and what he's done so that you and I could hear about him. He's given us pastors and teachers who've explained this word to us and have taught us what it means to to follow Jesus. And this isn't just a full-time pastor. There there are people here amongst us, I know, that that are evangelists. There are people here that that teach and pastor one another. We've got 20 Connect Group leaders in our church who are meeting together each week with some of you uh, around the word, Growing people in their love and knowledge of God. Showing people who Jesus is from the Scriptures. Opening that up and bouncing it around. See, so connect groups are a great way to grow more and more like Jesus. To be honest. To be open. To say, I want to let God's Word, God Himself mould me and change me through His Spirit, by His Word. The role of a pastor is to teach and equip God's people. To prepare God's people for, for works of service. All throughout Scripture, there's this one another language used where we're to be doing exactly that, teaching and encouraging one another. So I was thinking about us as a church. I'm like, I think one of the things that's really hard for us here at Morning Church is actually where we meet. While it's like phenomenally comfortable uh, and our projector's great uh, and the sound's pretty good, um, you know, and it's kind of quiet, we we, rain doesn't come in. One of the issues is um, we're kind of conditioned to do certain things when we come to a movie theatre. When you walk through a movie theatre, you normally just sit down away from others, um, so there's a gap in between. You make sure there's no one near you, so you've got a clear view. Uh, and then you just shut up and eat popcorn, and drink drinks, and listen to what they've put on and spent millions of dollars doing on the screen. And then you walk out and go, oh, and that's it. Like, that's You might think about it. You might be like, oh, this has got me thinking. But we're kind of conditioned to cinemas to kind of come in and go, oh, I'm, I'm just going to be entertained. And that's a problem for the view of the biblical view of church. We come together to build one another up, to encourage one another, to open the word together, to think, to talk, to, 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 to celebrate what God is doing, to sing together as we remind each other of the truth of who Jesus is. And so, I want, to, I want to say for us here particularly fight the urge when you come in. Bring popcorn, by all means, bring it along. It'd be great. When I'm going too long, just peg it at me. It'd be fun. But don't come in to sit and do nothing. Don't come here to be entertained, come here to grow, to let God mould you and shape you through his word to make you more like his son. That's why we come together. That's why we're here. Um, the first church Sarah and I were kind of involved with that was a church plant um, it was a great because um, I actually preached on this passage in that church and we met um, in a gym, which is such a helpful place to meet. And I looked back over the sermon, and it was quite funny. I, I, I'd written before we were here. This, is, this was uh, 2006, all right? And, and my sermon notes on this bit about Paul and this bit in Ephesians were saying, you don't want to go to church thinking it's a movie theater. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> ouch i just heard that from myself (laughs) um you want to think of church like a gym and we were in one like as i was preaching i could see through the glass behind everyone and there's like people doing weights building up i'm like this is right we're we're in the right place to be as as a church so come to church think of it like a gym where we're one another's personal trainers with the guidebook of the word open and, and the spirit um informing and molding and changing and growing us that's that's what's going on we don't need steroids. We've got God, the Spirit in us, pointing us, making us more like His Son. Well, God wants us to be a church that's mature, that's built up. Um, not built up like Arnie. People reckon I talk about Arnie all the time. He's just my like, picture of like a muscle man, although he's not anymore. Um, we don't want to be built up like that. We want to be built up in verse 13, it talks about until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We want to be built up like Jesus. He wants us to mature as a church, mature one another. He wants the church to be the place that binds people together in the truth of who Jesus is, the place where people get to know one another more as we serve Jesus together more. A church where every person wants to be more like Jesus. Where every person is longing for tomorrow to be a better day than today. For tomorrow for me to be more like Jesus than yesterday. For next year to be more like Jesus than last year. As I see Jesus in scripture. As I see what Paul points to about him and the way he lays him out. And the way he acts and the way he knows his father intimately And the way he loves people. I just want to be like him. I just want to be more and more like Jesus. Don't you? Not only do I love Jesus, I actually like him. I like the stuff he says. I like the way he says it. It's just, he's the guy I'm like, I want to be like him. I want to see my life transformed to be more and more like him. Well, Paul says the way to do that with one another around, firstly, secondly, is to be connected to the head. Remembering we need to be connected to him. That's how we stay firm. Um, Paul uses this picture of a body in the church as a body with each person and kind of a different limb and different parts. And he's like reminds us that it's the head Christ that makes everything work. It's the head that we need to be thinking through. It's the head we need to be captivated by, seeing who Jesus is and what he's done and, and keep thinking through that and understand what he's saying to us through the word. And it got me thinking, what, what, what is head? Like we use this word head, what does it mean? Here's some dictionary definitions. The head of a company or the headmaster of a school. The heading is the line of text that defines all under it. I love that. It sets the tone for what is to come. Um... Heading in, in, in a boat can be used to specify your direction. You know, what's your heading? Where are you going? Headquarters are the central office, the directional center of an enterprise. In military terms, it's the place in which a commander performs his functions of command. I love that. Jesus is our head, he is the place in which the commander performs his functions of command. The head spring, the headwaters, the fountainhead, the source of water which a stream or a river arises from and then the physiological head it's the home of our brain it's the controller of our central and peripheral nervous systems our autonomic autonomic i got it wrong autonomic nervous systems it runs everything from our consciousness to our unconsciousness, from our thoughts and feelings to every beat of our heart every breath of air we take in jesus is our head Jesus is our head he's the one from whom we get sustenance he's the one that guides us and sets our agenda it's from him that our desires and dreams should come and we get to be part of his body we get to be part of the outworking of what he's doing in his world through this church through we get to be in harmony with him and with one another exercising the gifts he's given us building one another up so that we might see others come to know Jesus and matured in him and standing perfect on Christ in the last day See, that's where the Christian bodybuilding image is, is different from the the world's bodybuilding image um, the reason that Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't like team sports I've said this before is because he has to share the glory that's what he quotes in his autobiography um, I don't like team sports because you have to share the glory but for us we're about God's glory We work together and build one another up so that we all may be standing on that last day. Not so that we look awesome, but so that each of us are there, trusting in Jesus. And as we live in a world of rough seas, and they're rough, they're going to keep being rough. There's extremely strong winds pushing us around, people saying, don't do this. Do you know how much money is spent on marketing to make you think you are the most important person in the world? Man, imagine if the church had that much money to spend on marketing about Jesus. Imagine what we could do then and show the truth rather than kind of like, yes, it's all about you. We've got to stay connected to the head, the command center, the control place. If we are to endure, you want to be mature? Keep coming back to the word, seeing who Jesus is, what he's done. Keep reminding yourself of the amazingness of this one. And then hear his commands. Hear the way that those he's trained up and sent out to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples of all nations. Hear the way they speak to us about what to do and how to live. Make this the central part of what we're about. God has spoken to us, God speaks to us. But so often I'm going, Ah, what does he want me to do? He's crying out from his word, his spirit is there waiting to convict me, waiting to take that word and make it come alive. I was reading an article um, a year back, actually, uh, but it was on the statistics about how important engaging with the Bible is. And um, some of the kind of uh, conclusions they make, you can just say they're correlations. You don't want to say there's a causation between them. So I just want to be careful in some of this. But statistically speaking, they said engaging with the Bible four times a week or more will change your life. Reading it less than four times a week made no statistical difference in a changed life lived, lived for Jesus. Reading it three time, four times or less made no difference. Uh, it was eight years of research, 100,000 people um, were surveyed in this um, I'll read the exact quote. There is no statistical difference between Christians who read or listen to the Bible two or three days a week and Christians who do not engage in Scripture at all or only once a week. Let me, um, those who read the Bible four times a week or more, over 100,000 people over eight years, they had these correlations. I want to say they're necessarily causations, but there's, here's what happened. 228% more likely to share Jesus with others those who read their Bible, four times a week or more. 231% more likely to disciple others. 407% more likely to memorize scripture. 416% more likely to financially support the gospel. Uh, And what about struggles? They have fewer struggles, apparently. Uh, Drinking to excess, um, 62% less, those who read the Bible four times a week or more. Uh, Viewing pornography, 59% less. Having sex outside of marriage, 59% less. Gambling, 45% less. Lashing out in anger, 31% less. Gossiping, 28% less. Lying, 28% less. Neglecting family, 26% less. Overeating, mishandling food, 20% less. Over- over, um, mishandling money or overspending, 20% less. Now, I think that this is. <laughs> well, they're the fruit of the Spirit, aren't they? It's actually what, as we read God's word, he promises his word will do as the spirit works and transforms us to be more and more like Jesus. Isn't it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, gentleness. If I missed one. That we'd be made more like him. Friends, I think I know it, but I don't do it. I I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why, but I just... Even though I want to know God more, I don't spend time in His Word enough. Uh, Some weeks it's great. I'm trying to hit, I've asked all our staff team to commit to saying, we need to read the Bible five times a week or more. And I I put it out there, and we won't do this, but I was like, there's part of me that wants to say, just for my own sake, that if I don't do that, I don't think I'm qualified to get up in front of people and talk about Jesus, or to lead a connect group, or to... i'm leading off my own steam i'm not listening to what god is saying i'm not in relationship with my head the chief shepherd the one who's molding me and making me more and more like jesus i don't want to become legalistic no not at all we're free we're free to grow we're free to know him more and more so i thought what i'd offer is the same thing to you guys to say, why don't you um, commit with us to say, we want to read God's word uh, at least five times a week. And then pray that, that God will keep captivating us by his son and molding us to be more like Jesus, to, to have those fruit of the spirit, to be like him. Uh, in your outlines, we've got a little thing there called soap. Um, it, it's a way that you can read the Bible that I've found so helpful when I've done it. <laughs> but basically, you, you get a piece of paper. You can do it on a computer as well. But you get a bit of paper and you kind of read a bit of the Bible. Uh, you, and that's the scripture part. You write out one verse, one bit of scripture that stands out for you. And as I've done that, I thought, oh, like, I've always hated the idea of journaling. I'm like, I don't want to write stuff down. I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I've never kept a diary. That's like, you know, that's what girls do. I don't know. It's weird. But, um, but as I've done this, as so someone pushed me to do this and said, do it and see what happens, it was great. I actually slowed down enough to go, what bit of God's word stands out here? And just wrote out just one verse. Um, and then observation. What, what, as I look at this, so it's S for scripture, um, O for observation in soap. So what stands out from God's word here? What do I see? What's he saying? And I tell you, I did this through the book of Acts. And I found so much new stuff. Like I've studied Acts at theological college in fourth year when we actually had good Greek and we're able to kind of look at it. And, and I found new stuff just as I'm reading through going, this is... This was great. Not only was it, wasn't here, it was here. Being amazed at the God who keeps, by his spirit, propelling people out to see people come to know Jesus. Uh, it, just, it kind of stood out for me as I read through the whole book of Acts. Then it's so observation, what things are there? Uh, application. What is this? What is God saying to me? Now, he's written it to an audience uh, in the first century, if it's a New Testament or older, if it's the old. How is that fulfilled in Jesus? How do I understand what that means to me? Where do I sit in this big picture? What is, you know, I might be amazed at something. I might have seen some observation. What does that mean in terms of how I'm going to change? That's the application. And then prayer, P. (laughs) To actually write out a short prayer that you feel led by from the passage something you've been challenged to, to write out to God, just just on the one page. I did it on an A5 piece of paper, all that stuff together. You can draw pictures, do it everywhere. It just was so helpful. I found myself, surprise, surprise, knowing God. Why? I didn't just know about Him. I was knowing Him more and more because I, I'm actually listening to Him. Not like, oh yeah, I've, I've got all the stats. Like, you can rattle off some um, sports player's stats about you know what they've done and how much they've done and how fast they are. Sure, you can... I was knowing him. Wouldn't it be great if this time next year we could look back and go, you know what, I tried that and it worked a bit. Maybe it wasn't perfect, maybe I never got to five, maybe it was four, maybe it was three, but it was a start. It was good. What we're going to do, we've put together an email with our prayer points that we kind of had. We've got daily prayer points coming out we put together an email that has a passage you can read, the SOAP method there, the prayer points linked in, and we'll email you five days a week. Uh, if you want that, write on your little connect card, um, give me the SOAP stuff, or just write SOAP. And we'll automatically send it to you, it'll just go out, it'll be in your inbox, you'll be like, oh, here's the passage, I can read it. Oh, that's what scripture, observation, application, prayer. Oh, look, here's a prayer point from EV that I can be praying. Um, we want to help one another, to use this, you don't have to do it. If you've got some other method, great, go do it. We're not trying to control what everyone reads, <laughs> except for saying, we want you to read the Bible. Uh, we want you to listen to God. <laughs> you read other stuff as well, but we've got to be tapped into the God who's made us. But we want to provide ways that people can go, actually, I could give this a shot. Now, I'm, like I said, I naturally go, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But I tell you, if you're serious about being more mature tomorrow than you were today, you've got to get into God's Word. You've got to let Him mould you and shape you so you can make sense of what's going on, so you can be reminded to trust Him. I heard an interview with Ian Thorpe um, a while back. He was one of Australia's best swimmers. Uh, they called him the torpedo because he was kind of fast through the water. Um, Australians do that. Um, swim fast, that is. Um, yeah, we just can't play rugby league at the moment. <laughs> That's bad. Um, so... Um, interview with Ian Thorpe, uh, and apparently when he, when he first started, he wasn't that good at swimming. He, it was pretty shocking, actually. And so, when he first started, he, he kept kind of finishing well down the order. He wasn't kind of this superhero, he wasn't born with fins, he just w- was kind of slow. But the thing was, he was particularly disciplined, and he didn't care about what position he came. He had no regard for that at all, apparently. He cared about beating his personal best, his PB. Every race was about beating the PB. It's all about the personal best. It's all about each race swimming just a little bit faster than the last one. Just a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more until he was the fastest guy in the world in a pool. Christian maturity is all about our PB. We have a saviour who's died on the cross for us. He's presented us perfect to to, to, to God. And he's enabled us to say, you're free now to run, to be more mature, to be made more and more like me. I want to make you more and more like me. Trust me. We need to be about each day being a PB. I want to just make it. I'm not going to try and win. I'm not going to try and kind of think that I can do it all and and start trying to, like a weightlifter walks out. Imagine me walking out and go, yeah, I can lift 180 kilos. (laughs) Like, that's going to happen. But if I just start with the bar and go, hey, oh, it's a PB. I haven't lifted a bar in like four years. <laughs> that's good. And then the next, the next kind of week, I'm I'm going the bar with like a kilo on each side. Well, after a while, two three years, I'm going to be lifting one eighty kilos. Like it's just physiology, is how we are. It's how we grow. It's how we mature. If we as Christians take maturity to be a PB type thing, where each year I want to be a little bit more mature, <laughs> next. 12 months, I want to be stronger in these areas. You know, maybe the last 12 months was an absolute shocker for you. Just a whole bit of stuff's gone on and, you know, that, that you've kind of feel like you've gone backwards. you kind of regressed in years in a way you probably don't want to in Christian maturity. Well, Jesus has died for us. He's paid the price. We're in him. Let that one go through to the keeper and just go, right, I'm going to start afresh. I'm going to start with where I am and move forward. And that's one of the first steps to growing as a Christian, to maturing. It's to recognize where you're at today. Where am I at now? Let's actually be honest with myself. What things in my life do I need to go, all right, I've got to sort this out. (laughs) You know it. If you trust Jesus, God's Spirit's in you and he's kind of prompting you, kicking you, helping you to go, oh, yeah, there's this area for me I need to work on. Write it down, share it with someone. And say, look, I love you to be praying for me to grow in this area. My goal for this year or this, this quarter or this month is to just, just one thing to grow in this area. It might be praying. It might be getting into the word and starting the soap thing. It might be stopping some kind of sin you know you've been doing and you need to say, no, I need to be more like Jesus here. It might be just going, I'm actually going <laughs> to stop pushing Jesus away. You might not even have trusted him totally yet. And you're like, oh, I'm skirting around the edges. Oh, I'm not sure if he is who the Bible says he is. Then go, that's the issue I'm going to work out. I'm not going to fluff around anymore. I'm not going to go, oh, I think, it, you know, I'm going to say, is Jesus who the Bible claims he is? We want to make every year a PB year. You might be tired. You might be feeling fruitless. Let's just go one step at a time to be more like Jesus. In Connect Groups this week, there's a number of um, things. You can have a look at the, the, um, the outline in your outlines. But there's a number of things I want to challenge us as a church to think through, to commit to doing, to reading the Word, to be sharing what God's saying to us with others. Sometimes I think we're so afraid to be like, oh, I feel like God's convicted me to, um, I guess, be more patient. And I really want to pray that God would help me be more patient. I'll share that with someone sometimes as Christians we hide it and people think, oh, is Jesus really amongst you? It's because we like suppress it. We don't need to go out and stand on the street corner like some crazy guy and be like, oh, I'm going to be more patient. But do it in a natural way. Uh, Talk to someone. Ask someone to be praying for you.